Hello and welcome back to the What The Folk Sunland Preview Podcast. Sunland's automatic promotion hopes have all but disappeared after last night's 2-2 draw against Hull City as we went five games, I think it is now, without a win in League One. However, the playoffs are looming and we do face a visit from John Coleman's African Stanley as we look to get back to winning ways at the Stadium of Light this Saturday. And to join me discuss the game on Saturday and Stanley's season so far is Tony from Accrington Stanley Podcast across the pitch. Tony, how are you doing, mate? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm well, Graham. Uh, all's well here in, in Toronto. A little bit of snow, but uh, doing well. And how how things that you're uh, in your neck of the woods? It's sunny in Scotland, so the world has definitely gone mental. Um, yeah, hundred <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> percent. We got everything's asked backwards, but anyway, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to talk some football uh, with you uh, uh, about Stanley and uh, the upcoming match. Before we begin, obviously, you mentioned Toronto there, and I only came across yours and, and Phil's podcast probably last week or the past fortnight. And as people may have noticed, obviously, I think you are from Accrington, but the accent's gone ever so slightly. Um, I love the story of how it came to pass, of how you and Phil actually followed Accrington, but that's a secret that I know. So before we go into the game, just give us a little bit of a lowdown on how Across the Pitch as a podcast sort of came to be and, and your background following Accrington Stanley. Well, uh, yeah, you're right. I'm originally from Accrington, but been in Canada for for, for over 50 years or close to 50 years. Um, yeah, the accent, it, it does it does come back when I get to Accrington and a couple of pints in the Crown Pub and then off to the match and then it, it does come back. But um, Phil uh, and his uh, friend Aaron uh, Ayers started a podcast in Phoenix, Arizona, and they were looking for a team to follow in the lower leagues and, and um, the name Accrington Stanley caught their eye and the, and the logo or the, uh, the phrase that the club that wouldn't die intrigued them. So they started to, to do a uh, podcast with some uh, emphasis on, on that. And they were able to get a player within the first three or four episodes. Uh, I came across it and obviously I put my comments in and uh, started uh, sort of sending them some information and correction and things like that. And <laughs> next thing you know, I guess I bothered them enough. They asked me to join the team <laughs> and, and uh, worked into being a, uh, a co-host. Uh, now Phil and I do the player interviews and we've done coaching staff uh, and uh, we have uh, another co-host, Darren Woodhead, who is the uh, sort of unofficial author, historian, I should say, author of Accrington Stanley, written several books on them. And he, he brings back ex-players and uh, uh, ex-chairmen and people of that nature. And we do a veteran series, which is quite popular with the, uh, with the fans. And obviously, we, we talked a little bit sort of off, um, off air before about sort of your background and stuff like that. Um, I was really quite taken aback because I travel from, from Scotland, as people know. So that's like about three hours for a home match. Obviously, we haven't been to yeah. a match for a while. And, and people kind of sometimes commend that and say, oh, you must be mad traveling any sort of distance to follow Sunderland based on the form the past couple of years. And, you know, I say it's a, a sort of labor of love. And when I spoke to yourself about um, obviously coming from Toronto, I thought maybe I'd expect you to say, you know, one game a year or something like that. But it was far more than that. So just for the, the people listening, how often do you get that? Afternoon? Well, I usually uh, usually come back at the end of August, beginning of September uh, for about two months. And uh, I try to get as many matches as I can there, usually five or six, uh, and maybe a couple of away matches if I can. Um, and it's, I, I, really do, uh, I, I really do enjoy it because uh, 
uh, no matter what you do watching it on iFollow, and it's just not the same as being in, in um, there in person. And as you know, being at the, the Wham Stadium, it's a very intimate uh, setting. And uh, I call it real football because you can you can really reach out, touch the players, you can smell the pitch, uh, you can hear the the uh, uh, cussing from the managers, and 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 it's just uh, it just brings everything to to life. And uh, uh, so I look forward to. To traveling back i missed the last year of course uh but we concentrated during that time frame uh, to do a lot of player interviews uh you know to bring it to the fans while there was no football and i'm, I'm fingers crossed that i can i can make it back uh, uh this uh, this year with the the games and stuff you go over now if i tell you together how much i spend coming from glasgow it would probably be more than i'd be happy to admit but coming from toronto that i mean i've done the flight sort of, I think it was London to Toronto yeah. 2015, and it wasn't cheap, but how much do you reckon you spend per year then going to see African Stanley from Toronto? Um, ooh, I, probably because we're there for two months, and uh, if you count my uh, my uh, pub money, it's, uh-huh. pro- it's probably <laughs> probably about, uh, oh, about £10,000, I would think. And 9000 of that is on the pub money, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the I Crown Pub. I love the Crown Pub, by the way. Uh, Sunderland fans will know of it because I think it's the one we get into. Cracking match day pub, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 it's the nice thing about the uh, the pubs in and around uh, the stadium, the Grey Horse and and the Crown is that they uh, they welcome home away fans as well as home fans, and there's never really any issues. I think I mean. You'll see an Akron to Stanley fan having a, a pint with uh, with an away fan and having having a good discussion, and and it seems to uh, uh, there's no there's sort of no uh, animosity. It's just everybody's there to enjoy uh, a League One match. Yeah, no, it's definitely felt like that. And the, the two times I've been down, like I say, the first one got should we say washed away, um, but it, it is actually one of my favourite away days because it feels maybe a very very smaller version, but like growing up at Roker Park and the terracing and stuff like that, which I. I absolutely love, but um, regarding the matches being on TV at the moment, I think a lot of people have struggled with the aspect of it, and, and understandably so. Like you said before, there's something about smelling the pitch, there's something about ne- being near the players, and there's something that makes us want to spend that much amount of money just to get there close to it. But being seven hours away in a plane and having to watch probably more matches on the TV than you would like, has it made it any easier this season having to watch things on a stream, or is it still just as bad? Well, I, no, it's made it easier because I, obviously uh, I can watch every match, uh, and uh, it, it, it's. Um, I think it's harder for people that are, are, are season ticket holders in the area that are watching on iFollow because they're normally at the at the match. But for me, watching on iFollow really for the most of the season is not really that unusual. So it's it's really easy to uh, to adapt to, and in fact, I'm thankful that I can see the 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 games and, and and I get to know the players uh and and that really translates to, to when we interview them that we can actually uh, uh have some background on their on their play because we can actually watch them play I, I I think when they come on they think well what's a guy from Toronto and a guy in Phoenix gonna be able to uh have a decent conversation with me about my play uh for for Accrington Stanley but uh with iFollow it does sort of help us uh uh in our research and uh, and i hope it comes across in the podcast 
So before, obviously, the COVID world and I following and the ability to where the games had to be streamed because nobody could get in, how would you catch up with Accrington Sandy games before that if you weren't actually there? Was it quite few and far between? Well, it's, it's funny because I have a, a, a fellow friend of mine in, uh, in uh, Nottingham who actually drives up to, to see Stanley uh, uh, for most games. But he would phone me uh, before the match with the lineup. And when Accrington scored, he would phone me uh, and phone me at halftime. And then he'd phone me at the end of the match. So I was getting sort of a, uh, a running commentary from, uh, from my friend David Davis in, in Nottingham with, uh, with updates. Uh, uh, he told me on Messenger or WhatsApp and just give me sort of updates, which was, <laughs> and so it was a one way of doing it, but uh, it was, it's, you just didn't, you couldn't see the match. So it was, I just kept waiting for him to phone to, to, to say that Stanley had scored. So you kind of, I suppose, waiting almost on the, the Monday highlights as well in the whole five minutes that you tend to get probably yeah, even and, less so. <laughs> and and I'd, I'd, I'd have the text commentary on, but uh, uh, even uh, some of the feeds that you would get, uh, like they followed the BBC text commentary, which always is behind. So I would get phone calls before phone calls were better than the text commentary because I was getting information quicker than the, what the BBC releases. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, sort of away from the podcast ever so slightly and, and obviously following um, from such a distance, I think it's been quite a funny season for Accrington really, hasn't it? I think checking sort of recently, you said slap bang in the middle of the table in 12th, you've won 17, you've drew 10 and you've lost 15, which is quite literally bang slap in the middle of the table sort of form. Um, how would you sum up Accrington Stanley's season? Because I remember you were, you were actually only a two points behind us for two games in hand only about three months ago. So what, how well, would you sum up the season? I think on February the 2nd or early part of February when we were in, I think we got into fifth place and I think we were a point above you or, 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 or close in the table. It was that close. Um, I, the, 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 the way I would describe the, the season really is, uh, is inconsistency. Uh, they, you know, we, we're always a team that, uh, seem to be picked by the pundits for, for relegation, uh, which is, um, it's hard on John Coleman and Jimmy Bell uh, because of the job that they have done over the years. Uh, and everybody says they punch above their weight, but I think they're, that they're such a good team that they get the best out of players. Uh, the big thing really, uh, as I said, is inconsistency is, is the injuries that we ran into. Uh, started off with the, the uh, bout of COVID that went through the team. And that really sort of put us behind the, uh, the eight balls with the uh, uh, games in hand that we had to catch up. Uh, but think, you know, uh, things started to sort of uh, really turn uh, for me was the, uh, when we beat Bristol Rovers 6-1, I, um, the seat, that was really a turning point in a negative way because after that, we really went into a, a win one, lose one, draw one kind of a scenario where you know, you can't really move up the table. And, and as it's, as you can see, when you look at the table, somebody like an Oxford or a Blackpool, when they go in a winning streak, you know, they can zoom up the, up the table. And uh, unfortunately we started spinning our wheels and in fact, uh, started to go, to, to go backwards a little bit. So yeah, the, to answer your question, we've been inconsistent. And I think that's been due a lot to, to injuries as well. Quite funny. Cause I was looking at recent form and I think, 
to kind of put it into context, I tend to look at the the five previous games because I think that can tend to be a good marker, but it's really difficult to judge after it because you've beaten Doncaster and Oxford and drew away to Blackpool. So there's three, you know, really good sides. I know Doncaster are on the the backwards spiral as well, but they're, they're three good sides. But then you've lost 5-1, a, a 10-man AFC Wimbledon and 3-1 yeah. against Rochdale. That's a mixed bag of results. So, so what's going on recently? Well, it, and this is the thing is, is uh, we seem to be able to play really well and uh, get results against teams in the, in the top or half, the, the, uh, the big teams, if you will. Uh, and then the teams that we seem to be favored against, uh, for some reason, we seem to come out flat. Um, and, and that's, and that's a, a, a subject that uh, is really uh, hard to talk to with Coleman because he's, He's, he's trying to build their uh, confidence up to, to, to take on the lower teams. Uh, when I say lower teams, I mean in the division, not in, uh, not in quality. Or yeah, they, that's, uh, it's, been a, it's, been a, um, it's been a real struggle because when you look at the odds and we're favored to win, um, I'm very, uh, it makes me nervous because that's when we usually pull out a clunker. And we did against uh, MK Don's. Uh, uh, and we also, well, we lost 7 nothing to, to Peterborough. Yeah, uh, you know that. So we've had we've had a couple of defeats that have been really hard on the uh, the mental aspect of the players. But I think one of the turning points for me was uh, when uh, we had uh, uh, Baxter uh, Nathan Baxter get injured in a match and he went off. Uh, and also, I believe uh, at the same time uh, in the same match, we had Keneally get a red card. Uh, and that really another turning point in the season because I don't think we've really recovered uh, uh, from them. Baxter was a, has been a tremendous uh, addition when he came in, and uh, we've had some struggles defensively with injuries and with uh, with him being out. With the uh, was that the AFC Wimbledon game where he got sent off? Is that am I correct in saying that? Um, yeah, it was. Uh, no, I think it was the Ipswich match, I oh, think. Oh, it's the Ipswich game, yes. No, you're yeah. absolutely right. And, and then Ipswich, we were doing okay with even with 10 men, and Ipswich scored twice in the in five, in five minutes before the the uh, halftime, and that's been a, a, a problem with us too, is conceding goals too quickly, either when we scored or be uh, just before halftime or late in the match. I mean, we should have we should have won the match at uh, Blackpool, but uh, Bishop missed a penalty. Uh, most, it might be uh, considered a fair result, uh, but we certainly had a legitimate chance to win that one. Uh, and again, against a good Blackpool team that we played really well, really well against. Yeah, I think, you know, up until yesterday, Blackpool on the longest sort of unbeaten streak in a while. And a lot of people's tips for uh, the playoffs, typically, they would, of course, beat us on Saturday, then lose their winning streak a game later. But that's very, very Sunland, um, as many people listening will know. Talking about um, Atrick and Stanley, in terms of stature and stuff like that, I think, um, and you never want to be arrogant with this in any way, shapes, or form as a Sunderland fan, because everyone's in the same place. But Akron, I think, notoriously, are probably seen as a side that, are, as Andy Holt would probably say, punching above their weight to be in League One anyway. So you see Akron have been like loitering around sort of those playoff spots occasionally throughout the past few seasons. But being in 12th, when you think of the, the turnover, the infrastructure and the size of the club is, is probably a huge positive from an outsider looking in. But as any fan of any club, you want to see your club go as, as far as you possibly can. But 
as a fan, what would you define as success for Akron Stanley? Is it where you are currently, or do you think you could maybe go a bit further? Well, I, at the beginning of the each season, I think um, Akron Stanley fans, first and foremost, want to see survival. Uh, and then within the uh, first month or so, when the team uh, uh, Coleman has put together, then the expectations change. Uh, and I think uh, when it got to around Christmas, uh, over the Christmas period of time, uh, I think people th thought we had a legitimate chance at that point to, uh, to maybe make a run at the playoffs. Uh, but um, we, yeah, we're happy to be in League One, like, let's be honest. Uh, and if we can uh, get to the playoffs, uh, and I think this, I think John Coleman is the is the type of manager that could get us to a playoffs. He's always said he's got one more promotion left in him, and and I I believe that. And I think the core of the team is there. And uh, I would say next season is, is maybe a chance that they would want to take a run at the playoffs and uh, to you know to see if we could take on the big boys and, and make a move up to the championship. I think that would be one of the best stories in, in football if you could see Akron Stanley in the championship. But we're, we're not getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, I think, you know, if we can finish mid-table, we're at 61 points, the highest we've ever been in League One. Uh, we're happy with that. Uh, disappointed in some of the matches that we've lost because with some of those results that you mentioned, really, we really could be uh, knocking on the door or in the bottom part of the playoffs. When it comes to the, the recent results you've just touched on there, it seems to be a, recently anyway, a, a bit of a frustrating regular occurrence for Accrington that when you lose, say, three or four goals, you're for some reason going to lose five and, and seven. There's been a couple of fives and six and sevens over the past yeah. few months. Is is that got anything to do with the fact that you've got quite a young squad and, and naturally sometimes a young squad, when a few goals go in, the heads can drop or is that too simplistic? Uh, no, because I think on the and the, the defensively, uh, the back uh, three of four that they've implemented uh, are really and they're not young players. Uh, I think one of the biggest uh, impact was we lost Mark Hughes. He's mm -hmm. a he he's a he's just a a lunch bucket type of guy. He he'd fit in with Sunderland because you know he gets dirty, he takes his lunch bucket to work, and and he just gets in and, and gets his job done. Uh, and him going out has really sort of uh, uh, made a, a, a hole in, in the back uh, to some degree. I mean, others have come in and chipped in and played well. Uh, but we had that back uh, three with uh, Burgess, uh, Hughes and, and Nottingham. Nottingham just turned 32, so he's no, he's no spring chicken, but he's really playing well. Burgess is a nice player that actually is from Scotland originally moved to Australia and come back and now he's, he's sort of making his name at, at Stanley. He's on, he's on the contract for a couple of years. Um, I think the, one of the issues that we've had is, in, is we've had a, a mixture of uh, our midfield players and in the up till last, yesterday, uh, we've had a real slump in the, uh, in the strikers, uh, you know, with the Col with Colby Bishop and uh, Dion Charles really fail, uh, failing to, uh, to find the net. I mean, I know Charles got two yesterday, but they were they were the penalty. So, uh, from open play, they're uh, they're they really need to pick it up, uh, you know, to start scoring some goals. I think that's where they've dropped off too. Well, you add the defensive mistakes, and Toby Savin has played well in spots, but he's made some poor decisions. 
Uh, you put all those things together and that really explains the inconsistency that we've had this season. In terms of individual player performances, I think two players, one of them you've already pointed out that have always impressed me when I've watched Atterton is obviously, I think one of them is a legend at Atterton, Sean McConville. Um, yeah. He's obviously the, the standout, a bit of an assist machine a few years ago and he might have tailed off a little bit, but he's, he's not getting any younger. And I've always actually been quite impressed with Kobe Bishop when he's played against us in particular. But, but like you say, it's not been the most prolific of seasons and, and, and Dion Charles is on 19, but a lot of them came at the start of the season. Um, but yeah, the goals he, in general, how, how important have they been, Dion Charles' goals? And, and I mean, you've, I suppose you've sort of touched on it in a way, but start of the season, what was he like? Well, he, he, has, he has improved from last season because last season was his first year uh, uh, in uh, league play, moving up from Southport. Uh, and the same could be said for Colby Bishop. Uh, now, Colby went out with uh, an injury and, and uh, is not really playing up to the way he was at the beginning of the season. But those two were really uh, out to impress and uh, you know, really playing well in the first half of the season. And I think they've tailed off a lot. You know, I think you'll, when you ask them, the big difference is the, the length of the season and the training and uh, uh, moving up from non-league. That's, a, that, that's quite an adjustment. Uh, and, and I think it, they, uh, the level of play, as I said, has increased. And I think maybe they've just, they're just tailing off a bit. But the other player that I did, I haven't mentioned that we're really missing too, uh, that's really stepped up this year and was really playing at a, a, a high level is Joe Pritchard that uh, was with Tottenham originally yeah. and, and came, uh, came to us last season. Um, he, is, he is a game changer and uh, he's just, he's been out recently. And that, we well, have McConville on the one wing and Pritchard on the other, you have you can stretch the field a, a, a wider, and and we just haven't been able to do that, and uh, I think that makes us easier to defend against. And I think if I'm right, Pritchard was at, um, like you said, from Spurs Tottenham Academy, I think, but he, he suffered like a, quite a bad knee injury, if I if I remember this correctly, and he ended up going to Bolton and was Bolton yeah, going from I yeah, think? yeah, and and Bolton released him, and uh, uh, John Coleman snapped him up really quick. Uh, the one thing with Coleman, he's, he's got a really good eye for a player uh, and, and somebody he sees that knows it with the right, uh, in the right environment that they will, they'll blossom. And uh, he's done that with several players. Uh, I, I think uh, Jordan Clark is a good example of the player that's gone on from Stanley uh, to Sipsex. And uh, there's quite a few of, of players that he develops and and that's, and that and uh, Caden Jackson that went to Ipswich uh, developed him. Uh, so I mean that's part of the business model of Stanley. If you can get a good player, give him the opportunity to play, prove himself, and if they have, if the club has to sell him, then so be it because uh, that's the nature of a club like Stanley. You talked about Jordan Clark before, and I think he's probably the perfect model for showcasing someone that John Coleman's brought in, uh, developed into a player. But he he obviously started at Barnsley, then went to Shrewsbury. But then, you know, when you look through your squad, um, we mentioned before about Dion Charles coming from Southport. Now, I think, I think I know my football. I don't know what division Southport are in. But then you look at Colby Bishop, and he came from Leamington Spa. So yeah. it's a good model to have. And obviously, John Coleman has an eye for a good player, but for a club that's that small, you're not going to be able to have a, a massive recruitment, but it seems like everyone that he brings in, and I'm sure you'll correct me on this, 
but 90% of the players that he brings in from super lower levels into a division that's not the lowest league division, it's the second lowest, it's League One, he seems to consistently find these players that just work in the lower league, uh, in, in the League One, sorry, from lower league. How is he so consistent with it? Well, he not only recognises talent that's uh, maybe uh, below the surface, but he's also uh, a really good judge of character uh, and uh, the player's attitude. Uh, and every player that comes in, positive things to say in the way of uh, the setup at Accrington, uh, because even with it's a small club, they just like the environment that they're put into and the trust that the manager gives them. Um, and and he has patience with them. Uh, he'll if he you know if they don't play, if they don't have a good game, he'll put them back in. Uh, he's not afraid to bring in players, uh, but the players have to prove themselves uh, on the training ground, and uh, then he'll give them a uh, give them a chance. And as I said, that's what he's doing with Bishop and with uh, with Charles. And uh, Charles could be a target for some uh, bigger teams uh, in the off season. Uh, he's got pace. Uh, he, he, he knows where the goals, uh, the nets are, um, and he, he's, um, he really gets in between the lanes. And I think some of the times we've had problems feeding him the ball because uh, he, can create, he can create a lot of uh, trouble for, for the center half because of his, his pace and getting in, in between the lanes. He's also starting to develop a few young players coming through as well. I noticed the goalkeeper that he plays only 19, but he's came, although went through other youth groups. I think he eventually came to Accrington Stanley's sort of youth development and then has gotten to the first team in the squad and played 20, 30 games. So he's, he's starting to develop players as well, isn't he? Yeah. Um, Toby Savin has, has got potentially. He, he just needs some experience and uh, uh, in his decision-making process because he certainly can save the uh, make the saves. Uh, he's done that with Ross Sykes that has, has, has come up through, with, through the academy after. Uh, some of these players have left other teams like Burnley or, or, or other or other academies, 15, 16, and then Coleman has brought them in. And uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good things going on in Accrington's academy because they see players like Toby and uh, Savin and uh, Ross Sykes getting the opportunity to play in a team, and therefore we're signing more players in the in the academy than we have in the past, which again, is a vital uh, part of the uh, reason the, the success that Stanley will have if going forward is, is developing good players. And if they're good, you know, to play for Stanley and they improve, maybe they sold on. And as I said, get the money for towards the, the club, but it's, it's uh, the Academy doesn't get enough credit and I, they are developing players. And uh, I think you'll see more of them breaking into the team in the next two or three years. Talked about um, Ross Sykes before, and I mentioned players that had impressed me when I'd seen actor and, and Ross Sykes. I didn't mention, but he actually has really impressed me when he's played. But I think the reason I've probably gone over that is I noticed he hasn't been in the team the past few weeks. Is that because he's injured currently? Yeah, he's out for the season, ah. and uh, you know we've got Mark Hughes out for the season, uh, Nathan Baxter. Uh, we don't know when uh, Joe Pritchard will, will be back. I think he's had a reset uh, because he was on the bench a couple of games ago and. And now he's back out again. Um, yeah, you've got uh, some key players out, uh, and if you we've had a couple of players go, drop off form a bit. We we were lucky to get to sign Matt Butcher, uh, and he was previously of uh, of Bournemouth. Bournemouth, yeah. Um, I think when you have him uh, in the midfield and uh, with a healthy Pritchard, 
you've got two players that can can uh, not only play the midfield but can control it. Um, and and I think uh, you know having uh, Paul Smith in behind when they play the uh, two strikers, put Paul Smith in behind them, uh, that can create problems because John John Coleman has allowed him to play across the field. He's not just plays in a, in sort of a support role. He can pop up on the left, on the right, and then the the midfield adjusts accordingly because they play in a diamond formation at times. And and when Smith moves around, the diamond can change to adapt where Paul Smith is going to be on the pitch. But yeah, we've uh, you know uh, we've we've got some really talented players, and I think if they can keep the team together next year with the right additions, I, I don't see a reason why we can't uh, you know improve on this season. Talked about Paul Smith there before, and I think a lot of Sunderland fans will remember his performance on a, I think it was a Friday night we played each other live on Sky, yeah. and obviously he got the second. I think he's about five foot two, and he got the he got the <laughs> header, which is again very very Sunderland, but um, very very fast player, very tricky player. He was on loan at Stanley at the time. I think he was coming from QBR. He's he's came back. Um, he's obviously I think he scored about three three or five goals. I think, but he yeah, hasn't it, played that- regularly. No, he's had a he's had a knock as well, mm. and uh, he's. Um, I think he I think the, he was he was rested on the other day because I I I I'm, I'm not I can't confirm this, but I, I I suspect that John Coleman wanted him to be uh, healthy for to play against you guys because of the fact he he has played well and and the match you you mentioned uh, uh, we when we interviewed him he said one of the thrills was being able to watch the goal and his backflip on the on the scoreboard and he really enjoyed the the playing in us in that in your stadium and uh, uh i i think he, he, he will be up for the game and i i wouldn't be surprised if we see him back in the lineup uh, on saturday yeah very good player actually kind of one of those players that sort of goes under the radar i think he's played for northern ireland since obviously since that game i could be wrong um but i'm pretty well, it was, uh, into it it was uh, Dion charles got uh, selected over the international break and he actually got in an appearance from Northern Ireland. Um, and, and I think um, he, he came back and he, he struggled a little bit because there was a comment made by the Northern, Northern Ireland manager that really uh, didn't sit well with me because he said uh, when he came to the, uh, to, the, to the international squad, and he's only there for a, a week or so, but then he said, we brought him in. He was rough, and and when we left, when he's gone back, we've made him a better player, which I think was a bit harsh on on what John Coleman has achieved with him. Uh, and uh, you know, you have him for a few days, you can train with him, see what he's got. But to sort of take credit that he was a better player was it really didn't didn't sit with Mel with me, uh, especially as I said with what John Coleman has done. But I thought uh, I thought that was not giving. Uh, uh, Dion Charles and uh, and John Coleman enough credit for because he got he got selected for a reason. Yeah. Uh, and uh, no, he's he, he's um, yeah. Hopefully, he'll be back in the squad. Now, talking about um, obviously our team, which occasionally is a nice thing to speak about. Sometimes, not always. Um, it's always quite interesting from the outside looking in to see which players kind of really are the ones 
opposition fans notice? Now, obviously, Aidan McGeady's a big one, but I think yeah. there's a strong chance he could be out on Saturday with a, a severely bruised foot by the sounds of it. But from the outside looking in, I imagine, you know, I haven't had much of a chance to watch Accrington this season outside of our game. Um, I'll catch the highlights, but there's only so much you can make from that. But from what you've seen of Sunderland, which are the players that you've been impressed with and which ones concern you the most? Well, the two players that I like, that I would sort of... Uh... And I think it's always a good test if you'd say, would you have them on your team? Yeah. And, and two players that I would, uh, you know, that, that give us, that I think give Stanley trouble is your center forward, Wyke. Uh, I think he always seems to be, um, uh, it gives our, he gives our uh, central defenders a, a tough time. And I think he's a, he's a really good player and uh, he's something that we, somebody we'd have to shut down. Uh, if we want a result in, in this match, but the other player too, and I hope I I I, I get his name right, but uh, Luke O'Nine. Yeah, um, correct. 100%. Yeah, um, I like him. I I just like his energy. He seems to crop up all over the pitch, and um, uh, yeah, I I, I like him. Uh, I'd probably take him first because of his work ethic, and and uh, he's a talented player, and. Um, uh, uh, yeah, those are the two players that I sort of uh, uh, look out for that, that uh, are quality players that I've loved out Stanley. It's funny you mentioned about Luke O'Nine appearing all across the pitch. I think that's mainly his fault for being able to play centre-half, right-back, left-back, central midfield and probably in the 10. He hasn't played in goal yet, but I'm sure he's getting around to it. <laughs> he's uh, Sunderland fans listening to that will say that's because he plays everywhere on the pitch. I don't think he's got a settled position yet. But yeah, I don't think there's many... Sunderland fans that would disagree with you on that, to be honest. Now, coming up to the match on Saturday, I imagine, you know, I remember the Accrington fans that came up last time, there was a few um, on the Friday night. Sadly, I, I don't think from memory we got played to the last season. So in the three seasons we've been down there, Accrington fans have only really had the, the one chance to come to the stadium light. And I suppose it's one of the bigger grounds that they've been to. And when they were speaking to me in, in not the most arrogant way, they were saying, you know, it's, it's a great away day because of the size of the stadium and things like that. Sadly, you've been sort of robbed of that. But I remember that game with 2-2 and I remember you obviously you took a 2-0 lead and then I remember when we got one back, it was actually one of the best atmospheres in the stadium like for, for seasons and um, we really got behind the team and it really felt really felt like we were going to push on and get 3-2 and, and I think it was Chris Maguire's free kick got cleared off the line and I remember vividly like Accrington's players somehow sort of wilting a little bit um, as our crowd kind of got up. So can that benefit you this week, the fact that, you know, you can go out and play your game, not worry about the crowd, um, not worry about the stadium that you're playing in because no one's there. Could that benefit you more than if there was maybe fans there? Uh, yeah, it's... It, uh... Yeah, that's a good point. And I think really now that, that we've been in League One uh, for, you know, for two or three seasons, um, I think the, um, the uh, attitude of being or the feeling of being in awe of other teams and going to a stadium like, like yourself, the Stadium of Light, I think that has is, uh, is, uh, gone from them. I think now they're, uh, they go in there uh, with the uh, attitude that really they can beat anybody and I think they've proved that this year, not only in the past, uh, is that, uh, uh, you know, they beat the top teams. And, you know, I mean, when 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 we first got into League One and we see teams like someone come into the Wham Stadium, Ipswich, uh, Portsmouth, uh, we're going, wow, this is a previous Premier League team playing at, uh, against Accrington. Um, you know, I think we've got past that uh, in awe. And uh, not that we feel we're entitled to be in League One, but we appreciate the fact that we are, uh, but we don't fear, uh, we don't fear any teams anymore. And, 
uh, I think that's the same for someone. I, and, and especially, I think we seem to get up a little more, as I mentioned before, against teams in the top half. I mean, we've got, we've got an horrendous run in if we want to get sort of in the top 10, because we've got Portsmouth twice, Charlton Athletic and you guys. I mean, it's a good job we're not fighting for a playoff spot uh, because that would be uh, be an awful run-in. But uh, I, I'm hoping that we can get some results enough that we can maybe sneak into the top 10. Yeah, I mean, you're right in what you're saying. I'm talking about, you know, that game where I felt like your players wilted, but at the same time, you went 2-0 up in the first sort of 50 minutes. So ignore everything I said, because uh, you actually obviously almost won that game with just my abiding memory from it. But um, final question is always, I've managed to get two predictions right in three weeks, which I went... I think almost seven months without getting one prediction right. So maybe <laughs> maybe I'm on a roll. So I better go with a Sunderland win. So I'll say I think it'll be a nervy game because where we need a win, I think we will get one. Um, I'm going to go with with one nil, a nice you know second half goal, maybe clean sheet. But if you were to make a prediction, what what are you going for on Saturday? Well, I'm hoping your uh, your form um, uh, stays intact and that you don't get a win. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a lot of way fans will, will, will pick their team to win. And I think with sure. Stanley fans, a little more realistic. Uh, but I, uh, I think we'll, I'm see, I think we'll see another two, two draw. And I think we'll see Colby Bishop and Dion Charles, uh, come out of their slump and score an open play. I sincerely hope from a Southern perspective, that's not the case, but <laughs> I do thank you for coming on, Tony, nonetheless. Uh, really great chatting to you. I absolutely commend your commitment to travelling that far. I don't know if I could do it, and that's me just being honest, but lovely chatting. Obviously, someone who knows an awful lot about their club, um, and I hope you've enjoyed yourself as well. Yeah, it's been... I've really enjoyed it. It's uh, it's nice to be able to answer the questions uh, on a podcast as, as opposed to prepare uh, the questions for uh, for the interview uh, E. So... Uh, and uh, no, you've uh, you've been a great uh, host, and I appreciate uh, uh, allowing my time, allowing myself to be on your your podcast. And uh, uh, I mean, it's when you when you're talking to you know on a podcast about Sunderland, uh, and uh, and you're an African Stanley fan, it's uh, you got to pinch yourself and, and <laughs> say, yeah, we're really doing this. We're and as I say, uh, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, thanks thanks for having me. Well, I think we're going to be here for another 50 years because we can't seem to get out of it. So we might do a few more yet. <laughs> well, I, I have in my, in my, in my pre, uh, pre-season picks, I had you guys uh, winning the playoff uh, uh, championship there. So I, I, I believe you'll get promoted through winning the playoffs. I'll invite you back on if we do. <laughs> okay, sounds like, sounds like a plan. Okay, cheers, Graham.